What's going on, jazz fans? Welcome back to the Final Note Pod. I'm Ryan Vike here with Ben Coons, and substituting for Alex Evans today, we've got Kendall Vike. On today's podcast, we are going to review some of the league's news and notes, a little bit about the schedule release for the Utah Jazz, and we actually have some fans on as guests today, and we will be going over some fan questions. So we got a good show pod, or we got a good show prepared for everybody here. So first off, we'll start off with the Rockets trade that happened. Everybody knows that John Wall was shipped over to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook. The Rockets also picked up a first-round draft pick in that trade. So how do you guys think that affects the Jazz, Kendall? Um, I think it makes Houston less of a threat. I don't think John Wall is the level of player that Russell Westbrook is. Westbrook was just more durable. He's never had injury issues. Just often a better player than I would say John Wall is. And I think it affects the Jazz because I think the Jazz have will finally have a leg up on Houston. Houston looks like it's imploding just beyond the Russell Westbrook trade. You know, the past three or four years, the Rockets really have been the kryptonite. I think this trade kind of just shows the direction of Houston. I mean, they fired their coach. Harden wants out. They traded away Westbrook. Um, they're kind of just giving up on what they had built. And so it's going to take a major step. Uh, step back this year in terms of, of position in the West. Ben? Um, I think that um, John Wall is going to complement James Harden better. Um, I think, you know, Westbrook and him are a lot of the, are, are very similar, but I think that John Wall will complement James Harden just a little bit better. I don't think it's going to be anything big where it makes the Rockets better. I'm on the same page as Kendall. I think they take a big step back this season, but I don't see either, either team jumping up one way or falling back terribly too bad. I just don't. I just don't think it's. I don't think it's something that uh, I worry about as a Jazz fan um, when we face up against the Rockets. I'm not worried about about that matchup at all, like I usually would be. So yeah, I mean, I just think there are pros and cons to it, but I think for as Jazz fans, there are more pros than cons. Okay, yeah, and so ultimately, I think the biggest thing that this does for the Rockets, how do you feel like it affects their playoff? implications do you think that they're going to be worse do you think they're not going to make the playoffs do you you think that that trade is just the beginning like the first domino to fall and Harden's going to be on his way out what are you guys looking at I think they'll still make the playoffs you have James Harden who's probably the best scorer in the NBA best pure scorer in the NBA you've got John Wall who if he's right attacks the rim really hard to finish but they're going to be the same rocks you'll always see they'll exit in the first or second round and won't do much else other than that in my opinion i mean i'm, I'm kind of in the same boat i see them being somewhere between like a seven and five seed i don't think they'll be the worst team to make the playoffs out of the west but i just don't think that they're a major threat anymore like they had a legitimate shot at upsetting the warriors um i just think that the organization in itself is imploding and it's just now moving in a good direction so they'll they'll maybe make the playoffs you know and if they do they, they might make some noise but i just don't see them as a top tier team in the west anymore i would agree i I think that the Rockets, assuming they keep James Harden, I think that they are a playoff team. I think they fight for, I would say they actually fight right around the four or five because they also picked up DeMarcus Cousins. So they've got a decent starting five despite losing Covington, despite losing Westbrook. I'm a little higher on the Rockets, assuming they all stay, but I think a huge part of it does depend on what happens with James Harden. If Harden is out and they get rid of him, then... I don't I don't see the Rockets really making a push for the playoffs. Maybe they get the play-in game, but I I have a hard time believing that. And the fact that they 
were the team that got the first in the pick. I think it says that they're trying to maybe rebuild as opposed to waiting for some sort of a jump because I think they want to move on. Kind of like Kendall has been saying, I, I think they're pretty much done with this era, with the, the Mori era now that he's out of there. I think they want a fresh start and try and get a team together that, that they can build moving forward. And last thing that we have here, we have the the Lakers. Sorry, not the Clippers. The Lakers had quite a bit of stuff happen in the last two weeks. We had them pick up Mark Gasol. They also made a trade where they picked where they traded JaVale McGee to Cleveland, and they picked up Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney. And then they also re-signed Anthony Davis and LeBron James to some pretty long-term deals, both pretty heavy deals as well. I We kind of talked a lot about the Lakers on our last show. We think the Lakers are the team to beat in the West. Still, they got better, in my opinion. I mean, the Lakers, they're obviously the team to beat. They have the best player in the world right now still and probably the best power forward in the game right now with Anthony Davis. And that's going to be, you know, LeBron's basically a point guard in his career. And so that's just a great combination that they have. They have a lot of great players. Um, they have a lot of great players with a lot of potential, too. They still, I think they still have KCP and Kuzma. And I know Kuzma gets roasted on Twitter. I know KCP is as well. But these guys are young guys and they're going to learn from, you know, they're the greatest basketball players on the planet right now. And, I think that they're going to invest in them. So I don't think the Lakers are going anywhere at all. I think they're a little less deep, especially because of the way Rondo played in the playoffs. He was fantastic, and he was crucial in their title run. But um, they just don't have that depth anymore that I that I can see. I mean, they have a... It's an interesting rotation, but they don't have that playoff experience that they got from Rondo anymore. I think they're going to rely on these young guys a little bit more. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this team is a little bit different and their style of play and how they performed this year than they were last year. I think the signing of Anthony Davis and LeBron James wasn't surprising. I think we, everybody kind of knew that that was going to happen, even though a part of me was hoping it wouldn't happen because, you know, as a Jazz fan, you just don't like the Lakers at all. No matter what I have my opinions about Anthony Davis or LeBron James, they're on the Lakers, so I automatically can't like them. Um, That's debatable. <laughs> but um, so I don't think it was a huge surprise. I am surprised LeBron extended for as long as he did because he extended for another four years, right? Till the sun so comes in. So two more league. years on the contract, so two he years. has four years left on right. this okay, current deal he has. I was surprised that he extended for two years. I, I did. I did. That that kind of took me by shock. And but I didn't. I I knew that there was going to be some sort of extension. Um, and then picking up Mark Gasol actually, I think honestly, really helps them on the basketball IQ side of things. Um, that's where Ryan and Alex and I were talking. I don't, I don't know if it was the last podcast or one before, where I really thought that the Lakers lost a lot of basketball IQ with Rondo leaving. But getting Marc Gasol, you know, Marc Gasol is a very smart basketball player. He's a very smart basketball player. So I think that helps with the basketball IQ side of things. And, and having um, LeBron and Marc Gasol on the floor at the same time is going to be a really interesting thing to look out for because they're both really, really smart basketball players. And they're both really, really versatile players. Obviously, one more than the other. But it does help on the on the IQ side of things for, for that team. I agree. And the biggest thing that I think, when you take this into a Jazz perspective, they're still a big team. They're still going to try to play big. I think you're going to be seeing the Lakers bring Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder off of the bench. I think they're going to keep that same starting five, only instead of Dwight, you're going to see Mark Gasol. So you're going to get a pick-and-pop player. But you do have the benefit now of Derek Favors being able to go in. And one reason the Lakers killed us last season is because of the fact that 
they they just destroyed us with size. And you now have Derek Favors come in, so you can play a big team with Gobert and Favors, and then you can slide Bojan down to the three, Donovan at the two, Mike at the one, or however you choose to go. You could even go Donovan at the one, Clarkson at the two with that if you need more scoring. So you, you match up better with the Lakers this year, and I think that's something that people are sleeping on. I think the Jazz have a very good rotation that can match up with just about anybody in the league. If a team wants to play small, we can now slide away from Gobert and play favors at the center, and if a team wants to go big, we can put favors in and use him as a big guy, as a four, and play Rudy still. So I think that's a big benefit of Derek Favors coming back to the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I agree. I, I still as when I see that when I see that game on the calendar, that's really a, a team that really makes me like, uh, that's gonna be a tough one to win. Um that on the back of my mind I always have I want to spit with the Lakers just because of, you know, and I've always had that kind of thought with LeBron. You know, he's just so good, he makes a lot of players around him a lot better. So if of everybody in the NBA, of all the teams in the NBA the Lakers are really like the you know the number one team, which most for most teams is you look at them and be like that's going to be the toughest game of the year. And so I think like I agree with you, Ryan. I think the Jazz match up a lot better. I just think that there's that's still a game that kind of worries. It, you know, if we meet if we meet with them in the playoffs in a seven game series, that's going to be a tough series. So I agree. Kind of like that. Yeah, I feel like the top to bottom, the only team that the Jazz aren't better than on paper right now is the LA Lakers. You know, I feel like the Jazz match up with pretty much anyone in the NBA really well right now. East to West, 28 other teams. I feel like they could beat 28 other teams in seven-game series um, pretty easily. Or they would at least have a shot. But with the Lakers, it's it's really interesting. You just have LeBron James, who is the greatest basketball player on the planet right now, and he just makes so many other players better around him. He's been able to take garbage teams to the finals. Like the 07 finals run when he was like, yeah. what, 22, 23? He took a bunch of taking me at point guard all the way to the finals. <laughs> um, it would have been an honor. I think he, he's played with awful, awful teams, and he's just made them better. And he finally has a talented team. You know, Schroeder's on there. They have Marc Gasol. He has players around him, and that, that makes it scary. Because you, you think about when he was in Cleveland, and he had Kyrie and Kevin Love. That first final series against um, the Warriors might not have gone the way it went had they been healthy. Um, because the next year in 2016... You know, they came back from 3-1 and they won it all. So the Jazz really need to focus on, on they have to game plan for that one. That one has to be marked on their calendar as a team to beat and as a, as a team and as a game to go all out for and as a game to just really make a statement. Yeah. I also think that even if the Jazz don't win that those games, the Jazz need to be able to make from game one to, they play the Lakers three times right is it three or four times if they don't win you know if they don't win all three games you know okay i'm fine with that as a jazz fan but what you need to do is you need to making improvements because that is a team that that's the team that you want to match up with in the playoffs because that means typically means that you are going to be meeting them and that's what's that's the road to the finals is you're going to meet that team and so you just it, there needs to be shown improvement against those teams to be able to to say we can keep up with this team. And so I, you know, every, every game theoretically is a must win. If the Jazz can go, it's not 82 games this year, but if they can go undefeated, great. That's awesome. But the big thing, especially against those really good, really solid teams, it's working on making sure that they've got the, they've got evidence that they can improve and have a game plan that will continually work over and over again. Um, And that's going to be the biggest thing for me is do they, as they play these really good teams, are they going to improve 
as they play him again, or are they going to drop off, or how is that going to go? So, so as of right now, they only play the Lakers once, and it is at home. So it's on oh, February twenty okay. fourth. The schedule, I don't know. I don't know all the details about this schedule in particular and how they're going to work it after that March third date. But yeah, so for, as of right now, they're just going to play the Lakers once, and it's at oh. home. So that's an advantage. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. That's kind of late in the season, depending on positioning. LeBron and AD just might rest if they have a sizable lead in the West, because or they might have to play that one. That one, that, that one will be an interesting game, especially where it's positioned in the schedule and where the Jazz and the Lakers will be in relation to seeding. I agree. So speaking of schedule. We're going to jump in and talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz schedule this year. So we have our season opener at Portland on December 23rd. And on December 26th will be the home opener against Minnesota. So you start the season out with a few division games. How do you guys feel about the first week of Jazz basketball? I think we take, I, I think we take both wins. I like I do like Portland as, as a Jazz fan. I do like Portland's team. But I, think the Jazz, I, th- I personally think the Jazz are going to win that first game. Um, even at in Portland, and um, again, I'm not sold on the whole Minnesota thing. So I think I think they start they they take the first two games of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll go one step further. They should go three and zero because then they play an Oklahoma City team that's obviously in rebuild mode. Oh yeah, um, they should at least start two and one. They should beat Minnesota and they should beat Oklahoma City. I think Portland's interesting. Um, Portland is a great team. Last year they didn't have Nurkic for half of the season, and then when they finally got him back, they they went on a good run in the bubble and they made it to the playoffs. Obviously. They ran into LeBron James along the way, so the rest is history. But um, I really think that this Blazers team is good. I think that the Jazz match up well against them, but I think Nurkic is a little bit more of a bruiser um, than Rudy is. And so having Derek Favors back, that takes a lot of stress off of Rudy. Rudy's a very technical defensive player, um, but Derek Favors can, you know, he can grind with anybody on the court. And I think he's a better matchup against Nurkic than Rudy is, but Rudy can still make a huge impact in that game. So I think they should be able to start 3-0, 4-0. Because they play the Suns afterwards, which that one should be interesting. The Suns, they got better. They could be a team that competes for a playoff spot in the West to try and usurp a team that was already there last year. But that first game should be should tell a lot about where the Suns are and where the Jazz are. I think it's going to be a good matchup. That first game is going to be one of the one of the fun ones to watch. You know, Portland and Utah are both going to be they're both going to be playoff teams. They're both going to be really good teams. So I think it's going to be a really fun one to watch. Probably going to be extremely entertaining. Probably get a lot of views on it. So, uh, but yeah. I think they, I think they, I think they start out with with wins. Perfect. I would agree. I think that Portland could cause some problems, but Portland picked up a lot of new pieces, so there's going to be a chemistry and a rebuild a little bit that has to happen. They're going to have to get used to one another. Whereas the Jazz, yes, they added Derek Favors, but Derek Favors has already played with us, so the chemistry right. thing is isn't going to be too difficult. I mean, Joe Ingles has already tweeted multiple times about how stoked he is to have D Faves back, so. I think that's something that's going to be huge. Then after after those first four games, we jump on a ten game ro- or a ten day road trip, seven games out on the East Coast, and we have back to backs at Brooklyn and New York, and then from Cleveland out to Washington. Obviously, the traveling from Cleveland to Washington is a little bit tough, especially on a back-to-back, but realistically, with both of those back-to-backs, you should be able to take care of one of the teams very easily, right? I think they can go, I think they can go three three and one is what I would expect um, off that trip, is, uh, is what I would expect from them. Brooklyn's going to be a tough team. Um, they've just got a lot of firepower. It's hard to handle a little bit. 
But, I mean, they should take care of Cleveland and New York just fine. Depending on the situation in Washington, you know, they could that could be a that would be an interesting game. I'm not really sure how that how well that's gonna that mixture between Bradley Beal. Um, why can I not think of his name? Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I don't know how that's how that dynamic is gonna go, but um, that should be an interesting an interesting game as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting road trip. I mean, seven games on the East, that's already hard enough. Um, well, they only have six games on the East. They start off with the Spurs. But I think that the Jazz should be able to fare pretty well against some of those teams because I think they play three teams in the East that just really aren't aren't playoff-caliber teams, and the Jazz are just better than those teams um, in every way. So they play the Knicks, the Pistons, and the Cavaliers on that road trip. They should be able to beat those three teams. Um, I think the Wizards is... is also going to be an intriguing matchup. Um, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook can play well together. They're going to be a, a very dangerous team in the East. Um, that one could be that one could go either way. But I think that they should fare pretty well just in this first half of the season. And even though it is a seven-game road trip, they have a good shot at winning at least half of those games. Okay, and then January seventeenth, another notable matchup. We get the Nuggets again. I look forward to. That one, I think that that's probably the one that the Jazz all have circled. Every player on that team wants the Nuggets again. So yeah. I I think that one will be fun. Then on the 19th and the 29th, we have what I like to call mini playoff series. So in that 10-day in that stretch, you're going to get New Orleans and Dallas two games in a row. So one thing that's that I found interesting with these or with the scheduling this year, there are several times where the Jazz will play a team back to back, not really back to back though. So they'll play them one night, get a night off, and then they'll play them again, which is as we know how the first two games or the second two games of an NBA playoff series happens. So I think that this is a way that the Jazz can almost game prep a little bit for the playoffs and get used to some of these teams. I think that they really need to capitalize on the or these these mini playoff series, as I like to call them. I agree with that. It it can show the level of maturity when it comes into that game plan. You know, Quinn Snyder, I think personally is, if not the best coach in the NBA, one of the best co- best coaches in the NBA. And that's where I like to kind of see where the the Jazz move forward from there because you're going to take we both we start both games I think at home. Right, we play we play at home Dallas and New Orleans first, and then we go there after. I think both games are at home on both series, so it's a six game home stand. Okay. Um, and they play the Pelicans twice, then they play the Warriors and the Knicks, and then they play the Mavericks twice. Okay, so got a chance to uh, improve and show improvements first play, playoff level teams, especially with Dallas. Um, New Orleans is still kind of a toss up, but they just still got a young talent. They got Brandon Ingram who scorched us for. 40-something last year, I think. Um, yeah, hit you that, can... Uh, hit that dagger. You uh, can guarantee that Brandon Ingram will score 40 again this year. He just, yeah. He's just... He's incredible when he plays the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Um, but I think that the Jazz are still a better team than the Pelicans. Oh, I agree. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they... How... Not just how they play um, on the... On... Just like the what you can see level, but how they're game planning, what they're doing. How are they going to force the ball out of Luka's hands or out of Brandon Ingram's hands? Or how are they going to force Zion Williamson to be away from the rim? Or Kristaps to to stay on the perimeter instead of you know how are they going to do these things from one game to the next? So I agree with Ryan. It's going to be interesting on how they how they how you see those things. 
Yeah, we can see huge adjustments like we saw in the playoffs. So the Jazz lost that first game to the Nuggets, and then they just scorched them three games in a row. Snyder can make adjustments like that really fast when he's playing teams like this. And so we can get a little bit of a sneak peek into how he can make an adjustment from one game to the next in order to get an advantage and to to turn a a bad situation into a good one. Yeah, so I like the matchup with Dallas. I always think those ones are fun. Um, I I like Luka, and I think that the Jazz always guard Luka pretty well. Uh, um, I feel like that's typically how it goes. And they're just more, they're just kind of fun to watch. So I think, yeah. And then just to continue on that schedule, um, just through the end of it, they have one more mini playoff series on the road against the Clippers. Um, and that should be the same thing, essentially to take the film and the result from one game and make it better next game over that 48 hour period between games. Um, I kind of like that. I wish the NBA would do more of that. I think it's interesting to see how teams can make an adjustment from one team to the next and have it mirror the playoffs a little bit. Especially when you get these possible playoff matchups. I mean, you, with those mini playoff series, when you, when you're talking about the jazz getting Dallas and the Clippers, I think those are both teams that the jazz could run into in the playoffs very, very easily. So, in, in our pre-playoff rankings, I think I might have even had the Jazz matched up against... No, I had them matched up against Denver. But I think I had somebody on our side of the bracket. One of those teams on our side of the bracket. So, I... And who knows? It, ultimately, the Jazz could end up in the three or the six seed again. The, yeah. the West is so wide open after the Lakers that you don't know where they're going to end up. So, I think that it's it's super intriguing. And like Kendall said, I love the fact that... They they are introducing this almost because I've never really seen it done before, and and I think that it's a great way for teams to start prepping for the playoffs. Okay, last thing here that I'm seeing on the schedule is that we have the Los Angeles Lakers on t- February 24th, and then obviously at some point during this they're going to announce the the latter half. They're going to announce the extra parts of the right. schedule, the second half. So something else to keep an eye out for, but. This, that kind of covers the first stretch. We talked a little bit about that matchup with the Lakers earlier. Right. Uh, and then before we move on, I just wanted to tell everybody out there that's listening, I think all of us are all in agreement that Christmas Day, the NBA botched Christmas Day games. Yes. While, we're, while yeah. we're on the top of the schedule, how Utah and Denver don't match up on Christmas Day boggles my mind. You got seven-game series. You got Jamal and Donovan Mitchell just battling it out, just punching each other in the face and then they're going to take it they're going to look at that series and be like yeah we'll just play the clippers i yeah, think the I, nba bought all of christmas day games i know that the ratings were not very good for the nba um with the bubble because they were played also during during football season it's hard to compete with football but that abc game between the utah jazz and the denver nuggets was the most watched game of the bubble up until that point i'm not so sure how the finals fared finals were that bad. was Ratings the, in the finals were was, awful. Yeah, that was the that was the best game that the NBA had in the bubble, and then you know you have two very loyal fan bases of these teams that they love, and they just completely forgot about it. Yeah, they just threw it away. I'm just I saw the Christmas Day schedule, and I was looking at it, and I'm like, well, I mean, why? You had a, a golden opportunity to for the because the entire nation they 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 saw what happened in the like they saw the, the seven games like you you know you what they watched it and you know that's what everyone's like that's going to be a matchup you know that's going to be a 
a battle for years on years. Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a battle all day long. And they just they just they just missed on the opportunity. I like the matchup between the Nuggets and the Jazz. Uh, I think they're so close in how their rosters are built and the style of play that they have. You know, Jokic is a, is a lot different from from Rudy. But they match up well, and it's a lot. It's good basketball to watch those two teams play. And no matter who wins or who loses, I always walk away just feeling like that was a great game to watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Unless it's game so, seven. Okay. Unless it's game seven. seven. Yeah. That one was rough. So I just, I just thought that I'd throw that out there that I am a little frustrated with the NBA because they botched Christmas Day. My, my ideal Christmas Day matchups would have been a. So I, I would have liked Golden State to play Brooklyn. So that you get Kevin Durant and Kyrie, or Kevin Durant against the Warriors, I would have liked a New Orleans and Memphis game, so that you get Zion and Jaw. I would have liked, or you could have also done New Orleans and Charlotte, so that you get a Ball Brother matchup. Yep. I also liked the Jazz Nuggets. I liked the Clippers and the Lakers. Then I would have liked the Heat to play another East juggernaut, probably Milwaukee or Toronto or Philadelphia. Boston. Boston, yeah. One of those. Yeah. I, I think that would have been yeah. been ideal. But I'm not the NBA scheduler. I don't work for the NBA. So what do I know, man? I don't yeah, know anything. I, I just uh, I saw it, and I got super excited because I thought for sure after the seven-game series, I thought for sure there's no way the Jazz don't get like that. They don't get at least a headline game like that. There's no way. Mm-hmm. And and I saw it, and I'm like, no, there is a way that they don't give it to us. That's crazy. It's absolutely mind-boggling. So that so. is something else we can talk about really quick. The Jazz only did get four national schedule, nationally televised games. Something else that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. The Jazz get zero love when it comes to national television, and I part of me likes it because I think there's going to be one year where the Jazz is going to go off, and then the whole world's going to miss it, and that's going to be the best part. You know, I, I think the Jazz are really putting together the right pieces, and you know, similar they, to the Warriors. Yeah, they're, they're all just they're just gonna the whole world's just gonna miss it, and the Jazz are gonna blindside everybody, and I'm gonna love it. I always kind of like that underdog mentality, or underdog feeling where they don't get any love from you know ESPN, TNT, ABC, NBA TV, whatever. So they don't get any love from them because like, oh, it's just the Jazz, and then the Jazz just run through the West one, one of these years. I'm, that's 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 just what I'm hoping for. That's it. <laughs> All of us. All we right. We need national television. We just need the Salt Lake Valley. <laughs> right, there you go. Exactly. AT&T Sportsnet. Let's go. Ugh, no, not AT&T Sportsnet. Do something to change that, <laughs> Ryan Miller. Uh, or Ryan, not Ryan Miller. Okay, um, so let's move on to this next portion here. We've got some special guests on our show today. We will let them introduce themselves, and then we'll go into some of the questions that they brought up on our social media platforms. Final note, pod. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, like and subscribe to us, the Final Note podcast, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So let's go ahead. We've got Zach and Caden, and I'll let them introduce themselves. We'll let you go first, Zach. Hey, guys. How's it going, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good to hear. My name's Zach from American Fork. Um, you know, I love the jazz. I uh, grew up watching with my dad and my brothers, and it's just kind of a mentality. It's a family thing. Um, and then I just love this podcast because it's 
you know, local hockey guys giving me my jazz scoop this time in the off season. You know, I can't necessarily watch the jazz and listen to you guys. Heck yeah, man. We love it. And how about you, Caden? What's up, guys? Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Uh, so I'm from North Carolina, so I'm kind of far from Utah. And I kind of became a jazz fan in an interesting way since, like, I'm pretty far. In elementary school, we had a state fair, and I got the state of Utah. And ever since then, I just fell in love with the jazz and the whole, whole organization. And, I mean, I love this podcast because you usually hear a div of everything, but you never hear what the fans have to say and what we all think. And that's why I kind of like this because you hear it from a different point of view and perspective. I agree. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we started the show is because there, like you said, there's there's no fan podcasts. You've got David Locke; he's an analyst. He gets paid to do it and to break stuff down, and he's amazing with statistics. And you've got local sports radio, who are the same, but you never really get a fan's perspective. And so we love to just break it down as fans and and talk about it. it that's that's what we love. We love our team, and we just want to talk about the Jazz. So. That being said, we've got some of your questions. We'll start with the question Zach asked. He asked, do we believe that Rudy Gobert will get a Supermax contract, and is he deserving of that contract? Zach, it is your question, so we will let you answer that first. You know, I think that's a, that's a tough question because there's two parts to it. You know, is it, should he get the Supermax, and then there's, does he deserve the Supermax um, and if you ask me, you know, I think he goes out there, he puts his, gives us his all, he uh, puts it all out every single game. He's always working and he's always grinding, and you know, I think he deserves that super max. But you know, should the Jazz give it to him? That's a lot of money to put into one player. And it, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough question to answer. That's why I kind of ask, ask you guys, see your guys' perspective on it. All right, so we'll go to Ben, and then we'll go to Caden after Ben. Yep. So. I personally, um, I, I'm a big fan of Rudy Gobert. I think I would like to keep see Rudy Gobert stay in Utah for his entire career and just, and have that. That I want Rudy and Donovan to win a championship together. I think that's a good duo to. And um, I personally don't think that Rudy Gobert is going to get a super max. I think that the Jazz should play it where they can still pay him quite a bit of money, but I don't think that the Jazz should go out of their way to give him that super max. Um, just because Donovan is the is the like the person you want to hit your wagon to and they complement each other very nice but you can always get more pieces for donovan and if we allow rudy gobert to get that super max i think that kind of puts a wedge in being able to get more pieces to help to help donovan mitchell um so i personally don't think he'll get the super max I think that they'll try to negotiate it so he can get as much as he can. But I don't think that I, – I personally don't think that he he will get it. Um, that's just kind of my opinion where, where, my, where my brain is sitting at. Caden? Yeah, um, I'm kind of in agreement there. Uh, I think, yes, his productivity and what he does on the defensive end it just is second to none in the NBA. I mean, you can't replace that. And he is deserving of the Supermax, you know, just being the player that he is. But I don't think he'll get it because, uh, like Ben said, they don't want to handicap the team into uh, tying all this money into Donovan and Gobert. And then they can't get any more pieces. And then it kind of shuts the door on any championship run they have because the more pieces you can add, like the Lakers were doing this offseason, the better chance you have to 
to win it or like Lakers repeat. So I think they'll pay him as much as they can, but they I don't think they'll give him the supermax. Okay, Kendall. I think that Rudy Gobert, first of all, deserves a supermax. Two-time Defensive Player of the Years. They don't grow on trees. They don't just pop up out of nowhere. He is a special player at what he does. Now, the question I feel like is, is what he does, um, does he add value to the Utah Jazz team doing what he does, playing in the bat, playing basketball the way he does? There's no question the way he plays basketball or NBA at being a tower, a, a big man in the middle, um, a traditional center. Is that the where is that where the NBA is trending towards? I mean, Anthony Davis, he's a four, but he played a lot of time at the five, um, and he can stretch the floor. And he can can Rudy Gobert do that? I don't think so. So that's why they went out and they got Udoka in the draft and they re-signed Derek Favors is to stretch that floor a little bit more. They can play small ball now without him, and I think if they are effective at playing small ball this year without Rudy Gobert, it'll be hard to justify that contract. However, if he comes out and if he is that defensive presence that he always has been and he gets better offensively, it'll be hard to walk away from a Rudy Gobert because they don't grow on trees. And everybody knows that he's only 28. This team is really young and they have a lot of good pieces locked up long term. So they have favors locked up long term. They have Bogdanovich for a couple more years and they have Donovan Mitchell, of course. And so I don't think they lose a lot in terms of salary cap and ability to make moves as as the years go on if they do sign him because some contracts will expire before his due and they'll be able to bring in pieces when those other contracts expire so i don't think it would be a bad move but i really think he has to be dominant defensively and improve his offensive game to earn it okay now i will give my take on this this question i don't think Rudy Gobert deserves a supermax and I don't think that he will get a supermax I say that he's not worthy of one because in big games your supermax player has to be the difference maker and I don't think Rudy Gobert has been a difference maker in games where he should have been I think that one reason why the Thunder didn't or why the Thunder regret giving Russell Westbrook a Supermax contract is for that very reason. He was not a difference maker in the games that he needed to be. Same with John Wall. Same with a couple of these other players who we've seen get these Supermax and now they're essentially an unmovable contract, right? So I I think that the Supermax is created for the elite, the LeBron Jameses, the Anthony Davises, the Donovan Mitchells, of basketball and I just don't put Rudy I just don't put Rudy Gobert up in that class. I, I put Rudy Gobert as a max cut contract player, not a super max contract player. Yeah, I can see that and I can understand that. The good thing about this jazz team right now, their oldest player I think is Joe Ingles at thirty three. Um so they're very young and they're very good and they can be good for the next with this roster if they can keep it together, they can be good for the next uh three to four to five years. So this is a good roster, and I think they should do their best to keep it together. They should be frugal like the Millers had been, and like I hope Ryan Smith will be, and how they spend money on players, because you could have another Gordon situation, or Gordon Hayward situation with Rudy Gobert, where he thinks he's worth more than he actually is. I mean, if you look at Gordon Hayward, um, you know, I say this all the time, I've been dumped by every single girl I've ever dated, 
but nobody broke my heart like Gordon Hayward when he left. <laughs> <laughs> but now we won the breakup because he is the most average player in the NBA. Like, if you Google the average NBA player, his face should pop up first. Right. And the Jazz haven't missed, they haven't skipped a beat since they left him. So if they think that they can do that without Rudy Gobert and be frugal and let players go, then they should do that because I think they're one of the best franchises in the NBA at just letting players walk and being better without them. I mean, Paul Millsap, they let him walk, they're better without him. Um, Darren Williams, it took a little bit, but now they're better without him. And he's not even in the league anymore. It'll be sad to see Rudy go. He's been great for Utah, and it'll be great to see him stay. He's been great for Utah, but whatever decision they make, I think it will be the right decision. I tend to agree with that. Okay, and now we'll jump over to Caden's question. So he said, with new ownership, do we feel that that makes the Utah Jazz free agent, like a larger free agent destination? Does it make them essentially a big market where players want to come and play? I'll start with this one. So I, I believe that it doesn't make us a bigger market. I don't think that it makes us more attractive per se, but I think that Ryan Smith is a very similar character to Mark Cuban in the fact that he has a deep bag and he's willing to spend that bag on the Utah Jazz and he wants to see the Utah Jazz win. Just like Mark Cuban wants the Mavericks to win and why Mark Cuban's teams are always good because they always pay their players well, I anticipate the Utah Jazz to be in that scenario as well. And that does, if, if you think about it, Dallas is considered a free agent target all the time. They're always in consideration for maybe not the biggest name, but a big name. And so I think that Utah, with Donovan Mitchell and with Ryan Smith, they pose that threat now. Caden, I'll let you answer your question. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was thinking. That you know, he's a young businessman, man. He's he. I feel like he can attract the free agents, and especially with Donovan, you know, he's such a dynamic player, you know, in the in the world, not only just basketball, but, like, what he did for his uh, school that he went to since there, up until ninth grade, donating $12 million. I think players like him, and they want to play with him, and, I mean, I feel like he's a great player to play with, and with the new ownership, I think they could probably bring in some pieces to help the Jazz uh, get even better for the future. I would agree. What do you think, Ben? I think it's the combination of Donovan Mitchell and the new ownership. Um, I think that Donovan Mitchell pulls this some sort of appeal to bigger players, to you know, big talent players, because of how, because of you know, like how great of a person he is, and how great of a player he is, and then being able to combine that with uh, Ben Smith, and he's already said that he's willing to put, basically put his money where his mouth is. To get this, the, to get the team to where it needs to be, um, and I think that combination in itself is it's 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 a recipe for great things, um, in my honest opinion. So, do I see it becoming like a big market team? Not really. Um, I don't see the I don't see them changing, um, you know, growing in size as a market. I do I do see the interest of coming to Utah to play and to win games and to be competitive. I feel that interest will grow under Ryan Smith. So I would say that there's, in my opinion, I don't think Utah's going to sign any more bigger free agents. And I'm going to just name off some players 
And these these players, they have one big thing in common of this current roster. So Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell, none of them were drafted by the Jazz, and none of them were signed in free agency by the Jazz. They were all traded for by the Jazz. You know, Donovan Mitchell was traded for on draft night. He was drafted by the Nuggets. Same with Rudy Gobert. They traded for Derek Favors from from the Nets. Um, and the key to, to getting players to Utah is Utah has to show an investment in them first, that they actually care about them. And I feel like that they've done that before. The problem has been they have a hard time re-signing a lot of these players. They have a hard time keeping good players around because they want to go and they want to play elsewhere. However, with this new ownership, it was interesting. I don't think that the previous ownership re-signs Derek Favors or Jordan Clarkson. And I think that the new ownership, because they re-signed Derek Favors, the new ownership is the reason that Derek Favors came back and that Jordan Clarkson was re-signed. I think that he was willing to spend more money on them than the Millers were. And that's not a knock on the Millers. The Millers did a wonderful job creating the Utah Jazz. I mean, the Utah Jazz are far and away a top 10 team all-time in the NBA, even though they've never won a title. Just the way the organization has been run and... Um, the performance on the court, it's been quality. It's been, a, it's been a product that people want to buy into. And I think Ryan Smith can take that to the next level. And I think he's shown that right away by signing Derek Favors and Jordan Clarkson. The Jazz essentially stole a draft pick from the Pelicans. That's going to be how they build. I don't think it'll be through free agency. I think that he's going to be a better businessman than the Millers were for this era. And I think he's going to make a lot of good deals, and I think he's going to keep players that are good, and I think he's going to be willing to spend on the players that he already has. I agree with that. And and one thing I will point out, Utah is slowly but surely becoming a free agent destination because, like you said, while we didn't sign anybody big this year, we did last year we did make probably one of the bigger signings. We got Bojan, and Ryan Smith just enhances that ability. I mean, if you guys think that Bojan Bogdanovich is – Good. And to be fair, he's probably the best signing, free agent signing at least, in Utah Jazz history. Since Jeff Hornacek. Okay, yeah, I can I can get with that too. But I'll have to look at how Hornacek came to the Jazz, but I'm pretty sure he was a free agent out of Phoenix. I think he was. I don't know. He might have they might have traded for him too, actually. Yeah. But but Boyan is probably especially this century, the biggest the biggest, without a doubt free agency signing that we had maybe Carlos Boozer but I would I would say Bojan so I think that the Utah Jazz become players in free agency maybe not like they're not going to be Lakers or Brooklyn or Knicks or Celtics caliber but I think that we compete for those second tier guys and ultimately do we really need a first tier guy right now probably not because we have one in Donovan Mitchell so I think that with Ryan Smith, the, the possibilities are better and brighter with the – I, I think they're better and brighter with than, than they were with the Millers. And, and it's not belittling the Millers in any, any means at all. I think the Millers, like Kendall said, they did what they needed to with the Jazz to get them where they are. But it was time for an evolution, and that evolution is going on, and – I think that that evolution makes the Jazz compete to become elite. Do you guys have any last things, any last words, comments, questions? Hey, well, if that's the case, then 
I just want to thank you guys, Caden and Zach, for coming on, being our first ever guests on the show. Super excited to have people like you guys on there. Uh, make sure you give them follows. We will tag them on our posts so you can see their handles on Instagram. And we just want to thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, thank you for Not a problem at all. As soon as we get free t-shirts, as soon as we get t-shirts for the podcast, you guys are going to get free t-shirts. I promise you yeah. that. Ryan yes, sir. Ryan will pay for them. Yes, sir. Okay. Hey, we just want to thank everybody that listens to us as well. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcast. And also, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Final Note Pod. I'm Ryan Vike, and this is the Final Note. Uh-